Welcome to another episode of the Essential Craftsman Podcast. This might be the most meaningful show we've done yet. And before we dig in, I want to set the table a little bit to give some context to this interview. Most of our listeners and viewers are familiar with Larry Hahn. Larry is probably one of the top five most famous carpenters in the world. And he's he's passed away as of nine or ten years ago. And Mila, who you'll meet later, is his wife or his widow. Now, she only lives a couple hours, I guess an hour and a half from Roseburg, where we are. So, it was a relatively short drive. For some of us, probably many of us, Larry is a bit of an icon. He is the ultimate carpenter, builder. He doesn't fit the mold as a kind of rough and tumble construction guy. He's eloquent. He's intelligent. He's thoughtful. He's clean. He's athletic, although deceptively so, because he, at least in the videos, as we all see him, he doesn't appear to be some sort of superhuman, but his grace and his technique really shine when you, when we all watched him frame that house. So, and for me and my dad in particular, now that we are sort of in the video, um, if not business, just the video world, we feel an extra level of connection to Larry because of his skills as a video presenter and a, a creative content maker just from the previous generation. Before we start, let me give a little background about Larry just so when we start this discussion with Mila, if you aren't familiar with him, you'll know the basics. Larry was born in Nebraska. He grew up in a home with no power, freezing cold. He found his way to California in the 50s. I, I should say he was in the military before that. He found his way to California in the 50s where he started building and helped develop and was a part of a very serious construction boom that lasted decades. Larry developed his skills as a carpenter, working with his brother, framing houses just lightning fast and assembled these skills and techniques later in his life into a book, The Very Efficient Carpenter, which, as far as I understand it, is still sort of the Bible for production, carpentry, and how-to uh, framing. It's really great. You can buy it. It's on Amazon right now, and we've got a copy of it. That's It's been fun to flip through. And as a matter of fact, my dad and I are working on a video. Well, my dad's working on kind of putting some of his thoughts together about the things he's learned from Larry in his book that have made the biggest impact. It's a big list, but you can expect that video coming out soon. Aside from being the ultimate carpenter, Larry wrote a lot. He contributed articles that were published in Fine Home Building. He wrote his book, The Very Efficient Carpenter. He wrote a memoir later in his life and probably more things that I'm I'm not really even aware of, but it's his writing to me is one of the is one additional thing that just sets him apart as a unique tradesman. Not not every tradesman is writing in their spare time. So that that should give you an idea. If if you are not familiar with him, I would direct you after this interview to go to YouTube and just type in Larry Hahn because he's probably most well known for his a, a video series he did. I believe it's three parts about framing a house. And it's very much a how-to. It's it's just really incredibly well done. Larry narrates and displays all of the 
techniques in his book in framing this house, which we mentioned in this interview, we, we find out it was built for his sister. So hopefully that gives you an idea who Larry is. If you didn't know already, this conversation is with Mila and Mila's daughter, Sarita, joins partway through the interview as well. And they were both just just really lovely people. And I, I, I just really enjoyed it tremendously. As you can imagine, this conversation was not super easy for Mila and Sarita because it's, they miss Larry tremendously. In, in ways that the only family can. And so I, I really appreciate them having this conversation and helping to perpetuate the legacy that we feel of Larry. And hopefully it, it reminds them of the parts of him that you know we're not familiar with. I should say for me in particular, um, this concept of legacy and family is especially fresh. Be my wife's father just passed away. And so we're just kind of finishing the funeral and the the thoughts around legacy and the the aspect of a of a man's life and what is learned and remains and it's it's just really important and special and I'm I feel privileged to be a part of this discussion with Mila while we talk about the legacy of Larry Hahn. Mila, thank you so much for having me and for joining us. And I couldn't be more excited to uh, sit down with you and learn a little bit more about Larry. Are you are you surprised at all that people are still talking about Larry and interested <laughs> in Larry Hahn? I am. I am. I am really surprised about it because, I, like what I said, I have always stayed in the background. Yeah. So, um, not that I'm not interested. It's just that I, that's the way I am. Yeah. yeah. When he was um, writing books and making the videos, the internet wasn't fully developed. So did he have an idea how big of an audience or how many people were watching his content? I guess he knew how many books he sold, but he has a big fan base right now. And I'm wondering if he knew that when he was alive. I think he does because I have been he we have been receiving a lot of uh, letters even with, you know the very first time that he wrote the very efficient carpenter book. Oh, just after that book was launched, he really got a lot of uh, feedback about it. Okay, so just letters would show up from yeah. people. Yeah, and people it. people would be one time there was really this funny story about somebody who was on the roof, and he called Larry because there is a problem and. He wants to, to to know the answer from life. And so he likes to tell that story. <laughs> so so this fellow was cutting a roof 12, yeah. and had a problem. And so he called Larry Hahn and said, can you, how do I yes. fix this? <laughs> yes. That's did. pretty amazing. In terms of the book itself, maybe that's the place to start. How, how did he had these skills and knew all of these efficiency tricks, but do you know, did he talk about his thought process and I should write all this down? Because most carpenters are not interested in writing that was kind of unique to him mm -hmm. and that hadn't really been done before. Now there's a lot of how to videos on YouTube and online, but at the time that was kind of a new, a new thing. So it was, I guess just, he just kind of knew it would knew it was needed and he knew he was the guy to do it. Well, I think what really drove him to do that is the, the desire to help and teach. Oh, and, you know, and in so doing, you know, he think it 
he probably thought it's deemed necessary to write it down and just uh, try to explore more how to make things easy for other people. Yeah. So he he just enjoyed teaching. Yes, and like sharing. Yeah. yeah. He's a really a kind of a salt of the earth kind of guy. Yeah. You know. Um, what did he say, or, or what was it like with the the little video series that I'm familiar with? I think was like a three part series of fr- of standing up walls and framing a roof. And was that the first kind of video work that had happened? And if so, how how did he do with the camera being kind of right in his face? It seemed like Joe, if that if that was a brother, and I was <laughs> less excited about it than Larry. I was watching it last night and thinking, I don't know if. I don't know if Joe's as uh, comfortable as with this as Larry is. <laughs> Joe is the shy one. Okay. Yeah. Um, actually, I think before these three videos, uh, he did um, several videos for the Carpenters Union in Los Angeles. Oh. So. Oh, that's so, how, so he did that before the. Yeah. Before he got involved with Tonton Press. Oh. Okay, so he had a little experience and kind of knew what to expect. Yeah, he's, he's very natural when it comes to teaching. Completely natural. Yeah. yeah. So you may be interested to know about those videos because I think there are more than three oh. for the Carpenters Union. Yeah. What was the house for? Was it, was it a house that somebody needed and was going to build oh, anyways? Oh, it's for his uh, sister. Really? It's his sister's house. And it's actually right here in Coos Bay. Really? Yeah. And so she was kind of building the house anyways, and he said, hey, why don't we bring the camera guys up and film this series? Um, I don't know how it happens, but I think it was so... I think Joe would give you more light about that, how yeah. it happened, but it was... Uh, premeditated or something yeah yeah they yeah, planned it out they they had really planned it out since his brother his sister is going to build the house and maybe he suggested it to Tonton press and they just agreed to do it so oh, as neat. as simple as i know about it yeah. but joe might be might give you more light about it uh was larry happy with the way those videos came out was it something he was proud oh, of yeah. yeah yeah he was he was i think he was I read Larry's book, uh, A Carpenter's Life, and it, I got the feeling he was kind of building and very active his whole life, you know, even in retirement. Is And he talked about working for Habitat for Humanity. Yeah, he did, yeah. So what what was he like in his retirement? I, he moved to Coos Bay to retire, I, I take it, but it sounds like he just sort of kept, kept yeah, doing his thing. Yeah. Well, both of us are workers. We never stopped. You know, when just when you said retirement, it's not retirement for us. We yeah. just keep, and um, like what I said, he he likes to uh, help people. Yeah. And so as soon as we move here, he joined the Habitat for Humanity. So. Wow, are there are there parts of I I always think of Larry kind of exclusively as a carpenter and framing correctly, but a lot of carpenters and builders are building lots of different things. Was Larry? interested in other parts of construction besides framing you know did he ever do tile or stone work or fix plumbing things around the house or anything like that like what i said he never stopped working when we got this house you you he he there's so many things that he did that uh, he added 
the office. He took away the, there is a sauna over there. Oh, yeah. And he took it out. He made an office out of it. Oh, wow. And then downstairs, um, the wall to our room stops there. And then there is the heater, which is um, a dirt. She dug that out and put a shower room in there. Huh. There's a lot of funny terminologies that he always do. Like, let's, let's do this sucker or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he said, uh, one lick. Put, it, put <laughs> yeah. it in in one lick. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and he says, that's the code. Yeah. So like, he, he's a, a lighter side of being kind of guy. So yeah. he's yeah. fun. And he always have his um, signature bandana. Yeah. Oh, it's so, it's so beautiful. And um, I really enjoyed... A hippie days. <laughs> yeah, but it makes sense. And like in those videos, his red suspenders also, you know, yes. and, and Joe certainly had the same kind of look. And it's it's kind of a timeless look for a carpenter. I mean, it's just <laughs> it is. It's just beautiful. Yeah, that's what that's how I met him. <laughs> As a carpenter? Well, well you gotta tell yeah, me explain was, that. Tell Nate it about it's exciting. He was introduced to me by a friend and I was working in an office and he went to an unemployment insurance company, which is up uh, not company but department where where I work in the building where I work. And my friend said, Oh Mila, I have to introduce to you to my friend. And I said, and there here comes Larry. His hat is Right. Has a hole in it. <laughs> His shirt has a hole in it, and he's Hattered. dirty because he came from from work. Yeah. And but what strike me is that he I didn't notice that I didn't look at I didn't notice those physical thing. What I notice is that he is so shy, you know, that he keep going like that with his head while, yeah. while talking to me, and that what strikes me in him. His, <laughs> his benign look and shy and. Yeah. Just um, he was so filthy when he met. <laughs> Not yeah. really filthy, he but was working. You know, came from the construction. <laughs> yeah. Carpenters look like what you said. Yeah, yeah. Um, in the in our videos, sometimes it looks like the the camera makes people sometimes look bigger or taller than they are. Larry looks so tall. How? He's how, six three. He's six four. Okay, he was then that he, tall. He said he shrank. <laughs> <laughs> he became six three. <laughs> well, yeah, he's shrunk when when he gets. Yeah, and he's got. Yeah. They just like, even in the videos. He, I'm sure he was fifty something years old, but so skinny and lanky. strong oh, and lanky. Very lanky. Yeah. He he's a runner. Yeah, a, oh. a regular oh runner. Avid runner. Oh really? He um he won no not won but he ran the marathon. L.A. marathon three times, and he was so proud to say that among the thousands of uh, I I will show you how how he plays, yeah. but he is always proud of it because that's at the age of 60s, when he was in his 60s. Elysian Park. Wow. Dodger Stadium, yeah. that's where he used to. And He's every year he would run the um, firecracker, mm -hmm. um, turn, whatever, marathon, marathon at the uh, Elysian Park. And ev almost every, when he, Cheer him on. there was a time when he doesn't have work to do yeah. and he would run every day. So. Just so I got that, at sixty in his sixties, he was he, ran, the he marathon. ran marathons, three of them. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's what you were one of my. He's my not, my he's, wife runs marathons, and I'm impressed because running the marathon is a big deal, but it takes so much training and practice oh, he's to, very, to get to that point. So he must have been determined running a lot and regularly. Yeah. Yeah. Even when we move here, yeah. he ran the um, Prefontaine. Oh and, yeah. And he, he and his sister would always have a, like a um, 
contest with which who would who would run you know, who would be put in the newspaper okay. because <laughs> they were know, in their almost like in their 70s. they compete with each yeah, other oh. because his sister is a, a walker yeah oh, okay not a runner but a walker <laughs> so sometimes um tradesmen and carpenters and and people who work with their hands it can be hard to be interested in exercise because you work so hard all day yeah. mm -hmm. and then when you are done you're just kind of the last thing you want to do not is, him that's what he said that he it really clears his head all the time when he runs yeah and it, it's he said it's a must for him to run so he doesn't he wasn't listening to music or headphones on or anything no, he was no he not was at thinking, all just huh? running hey <laughs> yeah, i'm just, the one older yeah yeah I, he, the only time he's interested in music but his kind of music is not my kind of music grassroots <laughs> but oh, what kind of music like uh bluegrass oh bluegrass, bluegrass. oh really okay <laughs> and and um my yeah. mine is more wide um choices and but i was able to make him interested to in my music <laughs> yeah did he play any music ever was he no he, he really could when yeah. he sang a lot and howl a lot oh. <laughs> when he would, would wash the dishes he would just howl all of a sudden and my mom and i were like <laughs> was he seems like kind of a light-hearted guy he is like what i said light side of being yeah, yeah. very i'm more serious and he was he was a little more light-hearted and playful yeah. and oh, yeah he very. did a lot with his grandchildren which is my children my yes. two children he really did play with them a lot show them bugs and rocks and yeah hike with them and everything are there any tools of larry's that that you still have <laughs> or own that are real heirlooms because i know for in my family we have tools that certainly tools my dad has now but that belong to and family before what, what's that like for you guys unfortunately larry is a giver he doesn't like to keep things before he died he gave away all his tools to the school, individual, habitat, to wow. Joe, yeah. nothing was left. Even flashlight, he didn't leave me a flashlight. And that's why, <laughs> that's yes. why when I tell people so, about it, they send me flashlight. He, he has that's been, really funny. When you talk about tools, he actually donated so much at the Marshfield High School because he's so into uh, craftsmanship. Yeah. And, and he, he really wants a lot of kids to learn the skill. Yes. And he, he left me one toolbox. Unfortunately, that was stolen, though. Yeah. He just set aside a few basic tools for them, for, for my other daughter. Yeah. That's about it. But with me, no, just a little hammer, yeah. a small hammer. <laughs> oh, it's kind of beautiful, <laughs> because though, he knows. because um, it really illustrates how he's giving things away and being sharing. But also, I'm sure everyone who was given a tool by him it's really special for oh, yeah. each of those people. Yeah, right? when we were in LA, um, he used to pick up um, people who are hanging out on hardwares who are looking for day work. Yes. Know? And he would pick up people and he would teach them. Skills. Teach them skills and give them tools. That's one of the things that he, I'm proud of to say. You wow. know, he has helped a lot of people. Oh, wow. That's really amazing. And there's one who is still in touch, who is a Mexican. And that's a funny story also, because this Mexican guy who became very close to him and he keep going back home. He isn't, he doesn't have papers. He keep going back home. And every time he comes in, he would be like uh, being treated like a, by those coyote uh -huh. to be smuggled here. Yeah. And he would call Larry to bail him out. Wow. <laughs> it yeah. happened three times. Over and over. <laughs> oh, my 
my gosh. He used to became like a son, actually. Yeah, he really, <laughs> he really probably helped this guy's life and yeah. changed it, I guess. Yeah, he did. Um, so for a lot of tradesmen, and I guess even most men in general, it can be hard when you're working and having a family. It can be a little stressful. And then you come home, and I, I have small kids. It can be kind of challenging to uh, find a good balance between family and work and all those stresses how, how did larry do with that larry with that is balance? larry He's is a very it. good father very and in fact <clears throat> i'm envious because i wish he had been the father of my children but anyway <clears throat> he was yeah. with, with us well in a different it, way yeah. you know <laughs> blended um, family. what yeah. he does is he tried to work early so that he could be with the kids when they come home from school okay and every time i remember he would um the children come home from school or pick them up from school, he would have a ready snack for them. Oh, tell them. Wow. He's really a very doting father, very yeah. nurturing. Yeah. Was What was that like when he was having grandkids? Was he just as excited about little tiny baby grandkids as oh, well? He was in both of my kids when they were born. He was there holding my hand, doing the Lamas, <laughs> coaching me. He was just like, I have two husbands at that time in a way. And for both of them, actually my son, no, but my daughter, yes. And he took pictures of the birth. Wow. And he was just, and then from infancy for both of my kids, he was singing lullabies to them, and then till they were walking, they would go to hikes and yeah. uh, see insects and bugs and turn rocks and you know plants and identify birds and stuff like that. Gardening so, also, they, gardening. they tried to get them involved in gardening and the value of uh, uh, eating the right food. You know, yeah. so he's, he's really very. It's why in that Carpenter's Life, yeah. that book. There's quite a few pictures there with Julia, which is my daughter. Okay. And she was like, you know, very close. Yeah. <laughs> He's really a good father oh, and grandfather. <clears throat> yeah. I think I remember in that book uh, about food and eating, he was kind of aware and, and conscious of very. eating healthy. I, I take it he wasn't eating a lot of fast food or junk food that no. wasn't really Everywhere yeah. they live, when I first sure they have a garden. Because he eats organic, what he, he plants, he eats. Wow. When I first uh, lived with him, I noticed that there is no, no soda, no chips, wow. no TV. <laughs> you have to read books. Children has to read books. And that's how basic he is and, yeah. you know, and very natural. Um, how often did Larry talk about his, I know his mother grew up in the North South, Dakota or yeah. South Dakota, freezing cold, and his book, talked about nebraska uh, nebraska yeah did he talk about that a lot and just in terms of the cold and and what it's like now yeah. not yes he did it. a lot of stories yeah <laughs> that's yeah the, that's the one thing that he always um besides the um something to say about writing yeah it's also being warm yeah being warm because he would tell us stories about how there's a fireplace and the back of their body is cold but the front oh, is cold is in, warm inside their house his book mentioned that he was aware or maybe this was a, a blog post but that it's important for houses to be quality but it's also important for them to be affordable yes. so exactly. people can live exactly. there exactly yeah. be before he died he was uh, really talking about with the editor in in uh, not editor but Sus susanka 
I don't know if you're familiar with the tour, Susankai. So I think he was an she was an architect. Oh. And she was he they are talking about um publishing a book about small houses. Oh really? He was Tiny really houses. bent in doing that. Yeah. I think I I visited her website because it, it was mentioned in the back of the book and it's about homes that are not necessarily small, but just the correct size yes. for a family. Yes. So you can be close to your people and not having extra spots to clean and just what actually what they kind of similar to what they did at Habitat for Humanity up in the in where is Aunt Aunt Loretta's hmm? house Fulton near Fulton yeah. right yeah yeah they build a lot of houses that's for Habitat for Humanity which is he, about the size that you talk yeah he make a lot of during his uh, when he was alive he makes a lot of comment about those big houses that and there are only two people living mm -hmm. yeah. the waste you know and it's just it's just something he could not yeah. accept you know yeah <laughs> um tell me the story if as you know it about how he got linked up with tauntaun press or whoever started publishing and helping him put the videos together how how did he go from just kind of being a builder and then all of a sudden have this other whole i guess it was a, a business or at least a hobby or how, how did that kind of happen well like you know he likes to 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 write and then he tried to um he tried to connect with there's another book publisher and they rejected him all i i kind of know in a way yeah because he discussed when it comes to writing we talk about writing more. yeah and um he started with contributing articles in fine home building Oh right, and he. Oh, that's how he started with Taunton Press. Yeah. But the book is something that he tried to um, get into another publisher, but they don't like oh. it. And how? And that's how he he start. Yeah, that's the way yeah. he started with Taunton. So Press. with the articles with Taunton Press uh, with Fine Home Building for years, he did that like here and there, different yeah. articles about carpentry, and then eventually he got connections and peter chapman actually is the guy who oh no peter is, peter came later on yeah later I think on was, in his, the carpenters there's life. another guy okay. and there was another guy who he's connected with but peter chapman was the last guy before he passed away he actually came to the memorial oh. and so we, he became like now he's a family friend we keep in touch yeah christmas cards and all but he is really amazed with Larry too. Yeah. And not just as a carpenter, but as a human being. Yeah. And there was actually some funny stories he said when he came here to Coos Bay for the Memorial Day. He said, I saw a fly in my hotel room. I don't know why I thought it was Larry. So from now on, we always think about Larry as a fly, like a reincarnation, because he believes in reincarnation too. Yeah. He's practicing Buddhism and all. Huh. And so Peter Chapman is the guy who has helped us, you know, him a lot with the carpentry, the Carpenter's okay. Life book. I knew oh, it was okay. Chuck Miller was the first editor okay. he got in that Yeah, Yeah, great. Um, yeah, I could give this to you. It's a good writing. Okay. That's yeah. how he got involved with Taunton Press. Mm -hmm. He started just kind of just contributing. Artic and yeah. Mm -hmm. And then the time that he was about to pass away, he asked me, because he was oncology, oncology with the cancer treatment. Uh -huh. And his comprehension is kind of yeah fading and so he asked me to get in touch with new york times because new york times wanted to um discuss about have his book be featured in new york times at that time 
-huh. when it was about to be published in September 2011. And so he asked me to co communicate and come, you know, with them. And I did email, email and phone until he has an interview. At that time, he, he could still yeah. do it. And then that's when I got in touch with Peter Chapman as well, because they were the one who published the book. So he was featured in New York Times at the time before he passed away. Oh, wow. And that was one of his wish. Yeah. He said, I wish that this book will be published before I pass. Yeah. And it did. Oh, yeah. I bet also he was wish come true. So happy to see that. <laughs> yes. Um, so Larry was very religious. At, it seemed like there spiritual. was... Or spiritual, I should say. Yeah. And I remember even, you know, what seemed like at a young age from his book, A Carpenter's Life, until... Um, the end of his life, he was just seemed like very yeah spiritual person. It, can you comment on that or any thoughts to share? Yeah, uh, their family is Catholic. Okay. Yeah, but he is always interested. He's a searcher, and uh, we got involved when we moved here. We got involved with Native American group, you know, oh. and he attended Sundance and he attends sweat a lot lodge. of um, <laughs> yeah. uh, sweat lodge, and, oh. and he was really into. Um, and during when they were, he was telling me that uh, they were tell he would always talk about his friendship with uh, Native Americans when they were in Nebraska, right. and so he was interested in that. But he got interested also in um, Bud uh, Shambhala Buddhism, where he became a teacher, and uh, you know, yeah. So he's he's a searcher. So he's always teach. He went to Peru three times to learn shamanism. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> he got a, mm -hmm. a picture over picture. there, and uh, that's how that's how he is. He never stopped working. He never uh -huh. stopped searching. He never stopped. He is a he's a voracious reader. Uh -huh. When uh, when when the um, National Geographic came, he would hold it and he never put it down until it's cover so, to cover. Wow! That's why I always try to complain and say, "Hey, you." Need to wash the dishes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> get up. I want to mention a very important thing on what my mom just said about his spiritualism, because um, when he passed away, he, all these people were here. You can't believe how many people were here, and because he was in coma for a little while before he passed away, but people from Eugene, the group of people that he does Portland. The, Portland for the yeah. temple, for the Shambhala. Uh -huh. This is the Buddhist uh, group. And then the Native American group that we go to for Swetraj and Kokil. Yeah. Came, they all came time, a shift, like a shift in a way, but they did the chance to send him off. We did it with them. And then drumming. the drumming at the uh, deck yeah. for the Native American to do the drumming to send him off. Wow. So to have clear passage for his passing, I'm still shaking right now thinking about that. And on the last night before he passed away, I said to myself, he's still waiting for something. And I thought about the Catholic system because that's the only one left because they already did whatever practice or ritual it's, it's needed for him to, to pass. And then we were having dinner here, and I said to my mom, I think he needs an anointing of the oil, because that's I, I was born, we were born yeah. raised Catholic. And so we invited our priest, our Catholic priest, and he came and we all gathered around him in his bed and prayed together, holding each other's hands and sent him off. 
Wow. The following day, he passed away at 11. Oh my goodness. 11.30 and uh, I'm shaking. I'm just yeah. like, it was a good was... send off. And then, yeah. and on, on his memorial day, they were all there. So I kind of did the coordination of everyone to be able to do what they need to do for his, his memorial as a tribute. And so the Native Americans were there drumming. The uh, Buddhist people were there for chanting. And my kids did a song yeah. and dance. And then the Catholic priests were there. So they were all together, united in his memorial. Wow. Just needed somebody there, like running a skill saw, like cutting some lumber. <laughs> that is the only, <laughs> so the only was, quarter. That only proves how, what my mom was saying, how spiritual he yeah. is. I was numb at the time. I, I'm not she was, conscious of what's yeah. going on. I'm just, she was yeah. just in so much grief and all. And yeah. I have to get, keep going with it, keep going with it. because. Sure. And it's just amazing how powerful people united at that memorial with different beliefs. Yeah. And he put them all together that way. Uh, well, he, he seems like such a unique person he, he, and bringing in his carpentry background at this crossroads of these different spiritual uh, ways of living and mm -hmm. his, his skills with his trades combined with his mentorship and helping and his giving. It's just a really, there's not a lot of, people with that collection of uh, yeah. of skills. And True. so certainly, I mean, irreplaceable, totally unique individual. He was even, um, when he passed away already, how many years was that that they they honored him and Uncle Joe for the Habitat for Humanity with a plaque? It's right there. Oh. Yeah, ten, more, than, more than 10 years, yeah. it's yeah. actually. Yeah, they wow. gave that to my mom <laughs> because yeah. he's already gone. But it's an appreciation and recognition for his contribution to the Habitat for Humanity. So it's like, even if he's gone, he's yeah. still coming. And like you here, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, can you remember besides some of the things he said in the videos, like I can drive this nail with one lick? Any other like expressions or things he would say around the house regularly <laughs> that put a smile on your face? Still? Well. <laughs> One thing that my grandson, his grandson, which is my son at, at around three, four years old, he being a big influence on him, he would clean in the house and he would just, all of a sudden he said, let's clean that sucker. And he said, <laughs> where'd you hear that? Lolo, Lolo is grandpa. <laughs> so he would, so he, he has all those terminologies. My sister has some. Yeah. And so this Risa, right? The way he. He has all these terminologies. The more, for me, if you ask me, it's not about carpentry, it's more about life because yeah. he told me, I have a bookmark that I made for his memorial and I put all the this um, terminologies that he always tells me, oh. let go, yeah. keep your center. Huh. It's more about meditation because we, we meditated together in his meditation room. Yeah. So that's more of my relationship with him in a sense, but not into much into carpentry sure, and all. Sure, sure. No, that, that makes sense. <laughs> and your, excuse me, on your first question about the, you know, how he deal with the children, yeah. I was just reading his uh, his daughter, I, I asked his daughter to yes, make a comment Lisa. about it, and he okay. said, I worked for my dad for two summers, framing houses. We had to get up at 5.30 a.m., which was tough for a teenager, but I learned not only about framing and pounding nails, but also about having good work ethic. As a father, my dad was always there for me, keeping me warm, warming my shoes outside the oven in the morning, 
feeding me good food, teaching me flowers and birds, reminding me to be kind to others. Wow. <laughs> so he was uh, also, um, Larry was, oh, this, this was written by his daughter. Yeah. yeah. He was a single parent when he was four and son was six. So about eight years, balancing work and life was challenging. Working wow. with his brother. Yeah, it, this is this is exactly what I said. He would yeah. just ex, uh, try to um, be flexible with his time, so he would have time with his children. And he yeah. says, "No free time." Yeah, it's a good, it's a good one that is an answer to one of his questions mm -hmm. of how balancing. But he had to be on the job early. Once the, Once kids, the kids, get, kids caught the bus, he would head out to the San Fernando Valley. He would make sure to be home on weekends when his kids were with him. They would go to Hachapi where yeah. they have a cabin. Wow. Yeah, it makes sense how he was so interested in productivity and efficiency and building quickly because he... Keeping a family. Because he had to be there when his kids got off the bus and put them on the bus. So he only had so many hours in the day and he had to yeah. build a whole house or whatever it was. Yeah. Oh, that's really neat. He's very active in um, protesting. He about has been in jail. social. Social. He has got this, such a strong social consciousness. Yeah, very yeah. strong. And he was uh, in a. He told me about the story that he was put into jail for a protest against um, other things. Vietnam that, War during wow. the Vietnam War. Wow. He's against. Yeah. The war. Wow, that's, <laughs> who, that's who is amazing. it? Yeah, who wasn't? <laughs> Man of many interests and activities. Yeah. Are there books that Larry recommended regularly for anyone to read or that, that you would pass on to anyone listening to this? Uh, a lot for me, for meditation, because every time it talks about writing and reading and books, we yeah. talk about Teach Nhat Han, Pema Kodron, um, Eckhart Tolle. Oh, okay. All these meditation books yeah. that he has. Uh, influenced me with a lot, Leo Buscaglia. Okay, so he was really a, uh -huh. a serious uh, advocate for uh, meditation. A lot and meditation and a lot and, of reading and learning, learning and practicing it at the uh -huh. same time. So all this, Teach Nhat Han is one of the best one I I know. It's my favorite now because he was the one who introduced me to him and a lot of Rinpoche um, Buddhist monks. Wow and. He likes to read a lot about National Geographic. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like he was just kind of learning and reading anything he could get his hands on, almost. Yeah, mm -hmm. like a, yeah, like what I said, he is a searcher. Yeah, He's, he never stopped learning. Yeah, and every time, actually, I call him my encyclopedia because when I don't know anything, <laughs> I, I, I would ask him, and, and I said, "No, I, I still have so many things to learn." Yeah, he never accept that he is this, you know wide reader and he's just humble right yeah simple person mila said she hasn't watched the videos of larry since he passed away and that oh. makes perfect sense but i'll just relay that there are thousands and probably hundreds of thousands of comments from people all over the world commenting daily on his videos and we do have he has a, a big fan base we have a two actually there was one group who created a fan page yeah. for him on Facebook yeah. and there was another one from ours so there's kind of two groups there that's for him 
Okay, particularly. great. Mm-hmm. And up to now, I'm still getting a lot of, because I'm one of the admin, yeah. I'm still getting a lot of um, invites on if they could be a part of the group. Got it. Yeah, well, that's great. He's He's got a bunch of fans all over the world, and his videos are probably seeing being watched by more people now than they ever have been. So however many eyeballs were on those videos you know, in the 90s, mm-hmm. I, I would bet there's more people watching them now because people can pull it up on their phone very easily. Um, we, we will link to the, we'll put links to these videos in the description of this if you're listening. If you, I'm assuming for you listeners that this is, um, you, you know a lot of these and have watched them, but if not, go to the description and we'll have links to the videos there. Mm-hmm. I would like to mention also before he was diagnosed with cancer in 2001, um, he was invited by um, pro- to to demonstrate uh, how to build a wood house in Poland. Oh, they wow. both went. So and he, they they also they also what you call it um, published a book uh, in official Polish. in Polish. Polish. Really. And, I don't know what happened to that book, but I do have some magazines. And prior to Poland's invitation, he was also invited to in Japan, but we did not decide. You decided not to do it. But they there is also an article that is Japanese. <laughs> you know, we cannot read Japanese here. <laughs> so he built a house or framed a house in he Poland. Framed a house, yeah. Demonstrated wow. how to frame the house because so. he was invited to but, to promote his book that was written in Polish. Right. And um, at the time, I'm, I, I, I remember correctly that he was already having a symptoms. Yeah. Because he was always tired and didn't have a chance to look around. So. How, how long did that take? How long was that? Did it take for him to frame that house over there? How long was the trip? Oh, we were there just a few days. <laughs> That's yeah. all it takes. Just, just you know, more of, <laughs> more of, um, supervising and yeah. you know, and to and to create support for the right. book that was yeah. being put together. Mm-hmm. Can I mention something really important for me as well? Sure. He went with my mom the first time to the Philippines. And, you know, it's a third world country. And our alley in in, where the town where we used to live has uh, like canals that are open 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 canals canals that are so dangerous for anybody, kids, anyone that can, you know, fall in that filthy canal and we have pictures of it that he would just he just automatically got wood covered that just just to protect all the people that's just how spontaneous he is on being safe and helping and serving and it's just like an innate thing for him this is so naturally that way and i'm glad that they met because both of them are like that. Yeah. <laughs> My mom's the same way. <laughs> yeah, no just kidding. an automatic thing for them. Just no agendas, nothing. Just they just want to do that as a human being. Yeah, with no um, nothing in return or something like that. And yeah, he just loved to teach. He loved to build, and he loved to plant. <laughs> yeah, when he came, when and he, he loved to sing. Yeah, <laughs> to sing. Yeah. and how <laughs> and when how. they moved here to retire, he, even besides the Habitat for Humanity, I remember him being invited with talks in the schools down south. Yeah, in Brookings, and he was featured in the newspaper for doing that. Mm-hmm. And between that, he would sometimes because he knows how to speak fluent Spanish, huh. he taught oh, yeah. uh, in Coos Bay Library. He taught 
Spanish. Start conversations fluent, uh, conversational in Spanish. Even in LA, he taught for I don't know how many years sign language, and he he is actually has a lot of credentials, uh -huh. but he chose to be a carpenter and a teacher. Wow. His credential is I think almost like twelve of them, and uh, you know it's and I have the certificate. Yeah. It's really funny. <clears throat> it he is such a not. It's later, it's not early on that I knew all about this. It's just later, unless you ask him, he would not say. Yeah. He's just so humble. He's yeah. very humble. He doesn't mm. like to brag about his accomplishments yeah. and stuff. He just likes to do. Yeah. He's in an action of service. Yeah. I think we're already beyond <laughs> the time here. <laughs> no, we're, we're good. This is, this is really terrific. Uh, I can't thank you enough for letting me come over and have this conversation. If you're listening in your car, come to the YouTube channel and there may be a video. Um, and I, I hope someday we'll uh, meet again. And my dad, who's a big fan, who is actually the, you know, the host of our channel would really enjoy meeting you and hearing some of these things firsthand because he certainly is, um, has a lot of the same shared values and instincts and they're both carpenters. So uh, there you go. And we're yeah. not far away. So thanks, Mila. Thanks, Rita. And thank um, you, Nate. Everybody and we would love to meet your mom, your dad. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll bring him over. And thanks for everybody listening. And we will catch you next time.